The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bible this morning and turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. Acts, chapter number 1. If you remember, if you were here last week with us, we began our study of the book of Acts and did a little bit of an overview. I just got one of the coolest announcements I've ever had just a few minutes ago. You know, a lot of times uh, as the pastor, you know, when you're sitting down here, you're trying to worship and sing with everybody. And uh, there's always people that are whispering in your ear little uh, announcements. Don't forget about this. Don't forget to say that. Don't forget to do this. And of course... You know, uh, while you're doing all that, you're trying to think about the sermon. But somebody came and whispered in my ear and they said, Pastor, we need you to preach longer today because there's an order of chicken that's on its way and it's not gotten here yet. <laughs> now I'm telling you what, what kind of announcement is that? I get to preach longer and eat hot chicken. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So listen, no, I won't keep you that much longer. We'll get out about 3 o'clock. But... <laughs> No, we'll, uh, we're going to have a great, uh, great time today. What a, what a wonderful time it is in the life of our church. 67 years. What wonderful shoulders that we stand on. Men and women who have gone before us, who have loved Jesus and worked by the power of the Holy Spirit to build His church and His kingdom. And now we stand upon their shoulders and we look to the future and we desire for God to help us to do the same thing, to spread the kingdom of God and, and the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, by His grace to be here another 67 years. Amen, church? Acts chapter number 1, we're going to focus on verse number 6 through 8, but uh, I want to read verse 1 through 8 just for us to get the uh, context today. We'll have a word of prayer and then see what the Lord says to us in this passage. And so Acts chapter 1, verse uh, number 1 says this, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when He was taken up to heaven after He had by the Holy Spirit given orders for the apostles whom He had chosen. To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over the period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Verse number 4, Gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which He had said, You heard of from Me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking Him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that You are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epochs or seasons which the Father has fixed. He has set them by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest or the uttermost part of the earth. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer on this good Sunday? Our Father, we now come to You and we pray in Jesus' name, expecting the help of the Spirit of God unto our Father, 
that you would meet every need in the house today. I pray for that person that is visiting here who is lost and undone and maybe they they just come for the first time or Lord, maybe the first time in a long time, but they don't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would convict and convince them that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they are sinners and they are in need of turning from that and putting their faith and confidence in Christ. I pray for the church at large today, Lord, all of our members here, as we celebrate our homecoming, that we would be focused and we would understand what is the most important thing in all the world, Lord, and that we would seek to be filled with the Spirit of God in all that we do and all that we say and all that we are. And we will love You. We will thank You for it is in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen. Just by way of context, before we get to verse number six through eight, I want you to understand that the first three verses, verse one through three, is really kind of drawing us together from the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke wrote to, about the beginnings of the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And now when we get to the book of Acts, we're going to see what Jesus did through his people by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse number four and five, you're going to find that Jesus wants us to focus Focus on the kingdom of God and that He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to do what we need to do. Verse 6 through 8, He gives the power and the purpose behind the church. Verse number 9 through verse number 12 is the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ that He ascends into heaven. There's no rocket pack on the back of Jesus. Uh, there's no newfangled dangled gadget on the back of Jesus. He simply has the power of the divine God of heaven to lift all of the mountain and he goes up into heaven and all of the jaws of the disciples drop to the ground and those two angels say to them why do you stand here gazing into heaven this same Jesus shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go and so the ascension of Jesus is there to remind us of the second coming of Jesus that one day our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will come again bodily physically, in power, in glory, in majesty, and He will destroy all of the wickedness of the world, and He will establish His great kingdom on this earth for those who believe in Him. Amen? Amen and amen. That is the Word of God. And then the last several verses of chapter number 1 are the fledgling disciples trying to seek in their own power to replace one of the disciples, Judas, who went out and hung himself. And they do so by casting lots. And that's pretty much the last time that you see that happen in the New Testament. And in fact, as the uh, chapters will go on, you'll find that most likely it is the Apostle Paul who replaces that Apostle position and takes uh, the form Therefore, he sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. That is the chapter, uh, chapter number one in summary. And so the major key passage in chapter number one is verse six through eight. Let me read that again for us and then I'll give you some simple points to take away. So when they had come together, you remember in verse number 3, Jesus has said, I want you to gather together and I'm going to teach you about the kingdom of God. So when they had come together, they were asking Him, that is, they were asking Him, Lord, is it at this time that You are restoring the kingdom to Israel? 
You see, these, uh, these Jewish believers, they had not yet sloughed off of some of their uh, political beliefs and some of their uh, ethnic richness. They, they were noticing that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had the promise of the coming of the Spirit of God. And in their Jewish minds, they were thinking, oh, Jesus is coming to set up a political kingdom right now. But Jesus had no intention of doing that, for it was not just for the Jew. The kingdom of God is for every single person all around the world or who puts their faith and confidence in Christ Jesus alone. I want to say to all of our congregation and to all of our church here today, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Amen? That is the way that the kingdom of God works. That is the opening of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that no matter where you come from and what your background is or how much money you have or how much money you don't have or whatever side of the tracks you come from, no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus has come to save you. Amen. In His power, in His glory, in His majesty. Rather than taking the time to explain to those young, fledgling Jewish apostles how wrong they were, He just simply goes on in verse number 7 as if they hadn't really even asked anything. And He says, He said to them, it is not for you to know the times nor the epochs. That simply means the time period chronologically nor the season or the events that will take place. It's not for you to know that. Why? Because the Father has fixed that in His own authority. And can I just take a little time out and give you a premature application and just say this. If you ever get around a Christian preacher who starts all that bunch of garbly gook about setting dates about when Jesus is coming back, run from that person as hard as as you can. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back, not even Jesus. Amen? That's right. Jesus willingly gave that information up to His own Father and He told His disciples, I don't even know when this is going to happen. It is in the Father's hands. It has been fixed by Him. And in verse number 8, you see the disciples were worried about the future and Jesus was correcting them from their understanding of the past. And in verse number 8, He gets right down to the nasty now and now and He says, this is what God's people need to be doing. This is what God's people need to be focus on it. This is what the church is all about. And here's our focus for today. Look at verse number 8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. I'll break just that verse down for us today in three major points. But I was thinking this week, I got some family that's in town visiting and I was listening to them and, and, uh, and this lady, she, she has been married for I think almost 62 years. And uh, my uh, grandfather on my, uh, on my wife's side, uh, my grandfather passed away in recent months. And at the funeral, uh, the uh, beautiful service, they've been serving the Lord for all these many years, loving Him, walking with Him, winning people to Christ, being a part of churches and church plants all along. Beautiful service. And, and after everything was said and after Christ was glorified, some Yahoo walked up to this dear lady who lost her husband of 61 years and said, now, now where do I make a donation to that Save the Donkey program? What in the world were they thinking? Nobody said anything about that. 
Their mind was so far out in left field, they didn't hear anything about Jesus. They didn't hear anything about the power of God. They didn't hear anything about a marriage that was centered on the kingdom of God and how good He had been and what could be accomplished. They were worried about something way out there that made no sense. But you know, the more I heard about that, the more I thought about God's people in God's house on this day, 67 years in our own church, and there are many of us that are worried about everything under the son, but winning people to Jesus and building the church for his kingdom. You're worried about whether it suits your fancy. You're worried about what you look like. or You're worried about somebody and what they might say. You're worried about music. You're worried about if somebody smiled at you the right way. You're worried about if it looks right and if it does this and if it meets all of your standards instead of waking up every morning of your life and saying, God has given me breath in my lungs and reason in my mind and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and Jesus is the Lord of my life and the Lord of my church and whether I'm t- or a hundred and ten until Jesus comes. I will give all that I have to telling people about the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ, of His person, of His power, of His salvation. I say to you on the authority of God's Word today, if you're in this room and the major purpose of your life every day is to not to find somebody to tell about Jesus, you're not right with God. You may have all the trappings of religion. You may look Baptist. You may carry the right Bible. You may do a whole bunch of religious things. But unless you're focused on what Jesus was focused on, you're missing the mark. Let me point out these three things to you in this verse. Look at verse number 8. The first one is this. When it comes to the mission of God, our mission for God is to tell people about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my Witnesses. You see how my is capitalized there in your Bible? And the word witnesses here is, uh, it's the word for what we get martyrs. Maturion here, it simply means that we are to tell people what we have seen and what we've heard and what we know to be true. It doesn't ask for you to be the judge. And it doesn't ask for you to be the attorney. It doesn't ask for you to be the legal representation here. All it asks for you to do is to go down to the courthouse and to sit there in the courtroom and to tell people what you have seen and heard and know to be true. And I'm going to ask you, are you telling people, are you living your life with the purpose that you're going to do everything you can to tell people about the person and the work of Jesus Christ? What Jesus has done in your own life, what Jesus has done in your family's life, what Jesus is doing in your church, what Jesus is doing for you, are you telling people about His person and His work, the cross and the resurrection. Now, I know many of you came here today to have fun and meet people that you hadn't seen in a while and eat a couple of pieces of chicken, and we'll get to that. But while I've got you, I want Jesus to convict you. Not me, Him. That's His words. That's His plan. That's His program. The church is always one generation from faltering and failing and not carrying on. 
And if we want our church to be alive and well and mean something in this community, if we want to be around another 67 years, then we must be the kind of people that pick up on the mission of God and we spend our time and our days, no matter what we do, telling people about the good news that Jesus saves. Is that the purpose of your life? I know a lady in our congregation who uh, could be completely retired if she wanted to, but she got a job working at McDonald's for the specific point of telling people about Jesus. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? wonder if I'd have the guts to do that. Hey, you might be sitting there and thinking, uh, Pastor, I'm not like you. I, I'm scared to death. I don't, I, don't know about, uh, I don't know about telling people about Jesus. Listen, we'll train you. We'll help you. We'll walk with you. But you have, the, you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you don't have a choice. When you entered into salvation, you entered into the mission of God that you would spend the rest of your life in His kingdom work of telling people about Jesus. How are you doing with that? Has a week gone by since the last time you spoke to somebody about your Lord? They say, Steve, how, how could I do that? You can expose it simply. The next time somebody asks you, well, what did you do this weekend? You could tell them I went to church and heard about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? The next time somebody talks to you and, and says something to you like, uh, what's going on in your life or what's going on here? You could tell them about how Christ is moving into your life and helping you and walking with you and teaching you. You could say what Jesus is doing. You could invite somebody to come to church. You can tell them with your mouth. You can live it in front of them with your life. But you must, you must, you must. There is no choice. We are to be the witnesses that God wants us to be. The mission of God is the purpose of our life is to tell people about Jesus. Now I just want you to let that sit in for a minute. I'm not trying to put an albatross about your neck. I'm not trying to hurt you or guilt you or make you feel guilty over anything. I'm simply trying to walk you into this text and let the Spirit of God use the Word of God and let Christ convict you of where you need it. And brothers and sisters, I want to say to you that I take this message and I heed it and it steps on my toes as well. I go to restaurants and I stop at gas stations and I go to grocery stores and I'm in the public just like you are. And what I'm asking myself is, am I leaving here with tracks in my pocket? Am I leaving here with invitations? Am I taking off opportunities that are before me that God brings into my path or am I letting those slide by or am I actually telling people about Jesus if you haven't told somebody about Jesus in the last year what does that say about your Christianity it says this either you're woefully lacking in your Christianity or you're not saved to begin with the mission of God is for us to tell people about the saving work of Jesus. And lest I miss and skip out the whole lesson, maybe I should just stop for a moment and say, if you're in this room with us today, member or visitor alike, and you have never turned from your sin and put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ alone, you're lost and you're going to an eternity of hell, lostness, Christlessness for all eternity without Him, this is the day. Turn from yourself. Turn to Jesus. Believe on Him and He'll save you with an everlasting care and concern. He loves you. He died for you. Stop trusting yourself and put your faith 
in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Amen. Not only that, but look at verse number 8. It is not only that the purpose of our mission is to speak and to proclaim the person and the work of Jesus, but I would say that the mission of God requires the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says here. But you will receive power, and yours might say after that or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The the, uh, context here means that it happens at the exact same moment that when the Spirit of God comes, He brings power in that moment. And so you might be in here and point number one that you need to be a witness about Jesus Christ scares you to death and you feel like, man, I don't think I can do that. I want to say to every believer in this room, when you take a leap of faith and you try and share Jesus with somebody, you're not doing that alone. You're not on an island. You're not doing that in your own power. You're doing that in the power of the Spirit of the living God. Amen. We need His Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. This church needs a revival. Our hearts need to be changed. Our sin needs to be pushed aside. We need the glory of God to fall on this congregation. And we need the power of the Spirit of God to change us from the inside out and to give us a hunger and a desire and a thirst to go out into our community and share with them the good news that Jesus died for them and rose again and that He can change them. We need the power of God in our life. We need the Spirit of God. And do you know when the Spirit of God comes? When you decide to be a witness for Him. You can go, and you should go, to many Bible studies. You ought to be involved in Bible study because part of being a good Christian is understanding God's Word and applying it to your life. And you ought to spend time in prayer. And If you don't, in fact, as we go through the book of Acts, you'll find that prayer is one of the key portions of the entire book. And I want to say to us, if we pray and if we read and if we come to church, but if we never say anything about Jesus, you will not experience the sweet power of God. You will not experience the Spirit of God. You will not be in conversation with a lost person and be muttering out words and feeling like you're falling and failing and not getting out right. And somehow that person comes to faith in Christ. Somehow that person comes comes to church with you and believes on Jesus. And all you can say is to God be the glory and great things He has done. His Spirit gave us the power. This church will not rise upon great programs, although we need that. This church will not rise on great preaching, although we need the preaching of the Word of God. This church will not rise on great singing and great music, although we already have wonderful music. This church will rise and fall on whether we have the Spirit of God and His divine power. God is not so concerned with how wise you are, how smart you are, how articulate you are. God is not so concerned with all of the skill level that you have. God is concerned with whether you will yield your life to Him and say, I will give my life over to being a witness for Jesus so that He can fill you with His Spirit and do wonderful, wonderful works through you. And then God gets the glory, not us. Amen? We need the Spirit of God to give us His power. We need the divine power of God to carry forth the mission that God has set forth. Hey, I want you to hear me, Emmanuel, on your uh, birthday today. 
right? On your birthday. If you don't plead for the Spirit of God and His power in your life and in this church's life, and if you don't decide today that as a member of this church, you will not sit by, but you'll do everything in your, in your capability to share the gospel. If you don't do those things, you'll die. You'll die a slow death, but you'll die. And in fact, what you might end up being is like several churches within the 440 belt line where they look like a beautiful building on the inside or on the outside, but when you go and you look at what's on the inside, there's a handful of people with hard, cold hearts that just are attached to things. If you want this church to be living and vibrant and to go on for Christ, you must proclaim Jesus and you must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Let me just give you one last point today. Look at verse number 8 again. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be My witnesses. And then notice here that the mission of God has both order and inclusiveness. Order and inclusiveness. Look at what it says here. You're to be my witnesses both, that's an important word here, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Those go together. They're wrapped around the word and there. And in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, nor to the uttermost part of the earth. In the book of Acts, if you were to ask somebody at that time, what's the uttermost part of the earth? They would have told you Rome. They would have said Rome. And in fact, this book is bookended to show you that what God's purpose was in the beginning of the book of Acts is what they accomplished by the end of the book of Acts. For tell me where the Apostle Paul is in bonds writing in chapter number 28. Anybody know? Rome. They got to the ends of the earth. Now the ends of the earth for our church is all around the world. But I want you to notice from this text that we are to be witnesses for Jesus. We need the divine power of the Spirit of God upon our life. But then our ministry, our gospel, must be done decently and in order, and it must be inclusive of all the nations. Notice the decently and in order. It says here, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. For all of my people in here, the analytical people who love to have a plan and a program, this text is for you. They want you to to say God wants our church to come up and formulate a good plan for carrying the Gospel to Raleigh, to North Carolina, to the United States, and to all the rest of the nations of the world. We have that responsibility to do that decently and in order. But here's the word I want you to see in the text. Both. Look back down at it. Would you see that? Both in Jerusalem. Now there's people that will say to me sometime, hey listen, you know, you there in Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'll be taking those mission trips around the world. We need to do something here in Raleigh. You're right, we do. So, so here's my two answers to that. First of all, why don't you go out and do something about it? If you think this church will be built on your staff, you have failed. God has not called the staff of this church to build this church. That is unbiblical. The Bible says that the ministers of the church are to equip you to go out and build the church. So if you want more people here, go do it. And if you don't know how, my job is to train you and teach you to do that. And so if you need help with that, you come and see us and we'll help you. 
You say, what do you do every Sunday? We preach the Word so that your heart and your mind and your soul is better equipped to go out into the world and be a testimony both with your life and with your words about what Jesus is doing in the world. So that you raise families, so that you have good relationships, so that you understand how to live for Christ and be the witness that you should be out in the world. But it is not a come and watch. It is a go and do religion. But somebody will say, well, we, we, this year we were in Nepal, and this year we were in uh, Slovenia, and we're going to El Salvador, and we, we need to do something here. Let me tell you this, it doesn't give us an option. It says both at the same time in Raleigh, North Carolina, the United States, and around the world, we're to share the gospel. That's the plan. So brothers and sisters, I, I preach to you as friends today. We need help. Your staff cannot do all of it. Not, not only can we not do it all, we don't even know it all. And so, hey, amen. Somebody said, hey, amen. Hey, that don't bother me. We, we need your help. You see, Raleigh needs the gospel. And if you know a good and an orderly way and you want to come and work under the tutelage of the elders here and give ideas and work together, if you want to implement what the leadership of the church lays out for you, then by all means, do that. Be involved in the gospel here in Raleigh, in North Carolina, in the United States, and around the world. I'm doing the very best that I can, but can you see that's where our orders come from. So we try and tell everybody every week, invite people, share the gospel, give your testimony. We equip you, we train you, we do everything we can for that. We also support and we go to Boston. That's North America, right? And so we're, we're in a five-year plan. In fact, Restoration Road in Boston today, they are celebrating their five-year homecoming. They're celebrating their anniversary and we celebrate alongside with them. And then we go throughout our country and then we go to the ends of the earth. And that's that's the reason why we go to El Salvador and that's the reason why we go to Nepal. That's the reason why this coming year hopefully we'll be in Africa and these different places because we're trying to do our part in the great scheme of God's design to carry the good news of the gospel around the world. Not only is it orderly, it's inclusive. This is not a Jewish religion. This is a religion for every man and every woman and every boy and every girl around the world who will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. In our effort to see God save people in this church and in this city, we will overlook no one. I don't care whether they can put a dime in the plate or not. It doesn't matter to me what color their skin is or where they come from. If they'll bow the knee to Jesus, We'll bring them in and disciple them and love them and care for them and help them to be a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church for another 67 years for the glory of the living God of heaven. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a moment? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This is a moment for nobody to look around. You might be here today and, and you're a believer in Jesus. You're a member of this church. And you're here to celebrate homecoming. We're glad you're here. But maybe right where you are in your, in your own heart, you would have to do what I did this week and say, Lord, I've been, I've been busy and I've been thinking about a whole bunch of other things. But the simple truth is, when I wake up tomorrow morning, the purpose of my life is to look for opportunities with my life and with my words 
to tell people about Jesus. And if I fail to do that, I fail you. Maybe right where you are right now, you just kind of confess that to Him. He'll forgive you. He loves you. You're His child. He's not going to beat you up. He wants your heart to be tender. Stop worrying about everything else. Stop any kind of fussing and fighting that's going on in your mind. Strip everything away and remember that the basic mission of God in the book of Acts for our church is that this group of people here today, after we fill our bellies and we leave here today, that we spend our days telling people about Jesus and inviting them to come and hear about Him. That's it. And alongside of that, my brothers and sisters, God has promised to give His Spirit and His power to you to do so. I promise you that if you make that commitment to the Lord today to do that, and you try all week with the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll come back here next Sunday with stories of what God has done and His power and His mercy and His kindness. And where you felt like you were stumbling with your speech, God helped you. There are people in this room today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You said a prayer when you were a kid. You got dunked under somebody's water. You signed a card and you might be a member of a church. But if I asked you in the last seven days, have you had an ongoing interactive relationship with Jesus and you were honest, you'd say no. If I were you, I'd try and do some business right where you are with the Lord. Just pray and call out to Him and say, Lord, I need You to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I give You everything that I have right now. And I trust that what You did, on me, you did for me on the cross is enough. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to trust You. You do that in Christ. We'll save you. This might be the quietest time that you've had all week. On this anniversary service, maybe this quietness is good for us. This might have been the first time you've had to pray all week. Just keep doing it. Confess Him. Love Him. And walk with Him. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.